Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. Today I'm going to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 through 18. And it says there, Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away, but their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. This is where we should have Laurent. This is where we do the praise dance. The, the veil is taken away. You'll hear about it in a minute. Now the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled faces beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as the spirit of the Lord hey today I want to speak to you in the next few minutes from this idea or this subject closer closer the more we draw near to God the more that we change from glory to glory the title today is closer would you pray with me Father, we love you. We thank you for this opportunity that we have to come into your presence. Um, Father, I pray that you would speak through me today, Lord, as we lean into the word, Lord. Um, I pray, Father, that my life would be changed, that our lives would be changed. But Father, I pray, Lord, that we would have these, these actual practical steps that we can take to draw closer to you. May 2023 be marked by a year that we got closer to you. That when we get to 2024 and we stand at the door, that we look back at how and what you did in our life, that we wouldn't even be able to recognize ourselves. Father, I love you. And I thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray, Lord. Amen and amen. Come on, one more time. Would you put your hands together one more time for Jesus in this place? Come on, greater church. Can you put your hands together? Closer, closer. Can I, can I tell you a joke? I don't tell jokes much. I need to tell better jokes. My jokes are kind of lame, my wife says. Uh, we have a battle at the house where we have dad jokes and <laughs> Abby is the, the beneficiary. Um, she goes and she Googles them and then we're like having dad joke fights. It's the best thing ever. Um, there were three pastors that were stranded on an abandoned island. This is the best joke, best joke. Three pastors that were stranded on an abandoned island. Um, all of a sudden, um, they have been there for seven years, seven, the number of, of, of God. And for seven years, they have been abandoned there. And one day they're, they're observing or they're trying to look around the other side of the island that they were scared of and finally they find this lamp so when they find this lamp they're like i rebuke it in jesus name the devil is a lie but one of the pastors grabs it and says listen if we rub this lamp what if a genie comes out and what if we leave and we get out of here we get wishes and they're like i rebuke you in jesus name the only spirit we believe in is the holy ghost and then he's just like look so that i don't go to hell all three of us are gonna rub it at the same time just in case all three of the pastors rub the lamp at the same time and all of a sudden a genie, a genie comes out. <laughs> hey, since all three of you rub this lamp, follow, it's a joke, follow me. Since all three of you have rubbed this lamp, I'm going to have to give a wish to each one of you. I'm not going to give each one of you three wishes. So I'm going to just give one wish to each one of you. Well, the first pastor goes up and he says, hey, I got it. I know exactly what I want. I miss my kids. I miss my family. I've been here for seven years. I want to go home. I wish to go home. Poof, this guy disappears and he goes home. The second pastor says, you know what? I hate this island. I hate everything around it. I love you guys and I'm going to miss you guys, but I'm ready to get out of this thing. I wish to get out the island. Poof, he gets out of the island. All of a sudden, the genie turns to the third pastor and the third pastor's crying. He's like uncontrollably sobbing. And he's like, oh my gosh, what is going on? Why are you crying? And he's like, I hate this. I miss my friends. I wish they were here. What do you call, what do you call three threes, three threes, a small forest, threes, <laughs> threes, last week, I, I got these for days, threes, um, last week we were talking about this progression of threes, 
And we were talking about how God um, told Moses to build this tabernacle and how our life is representative of going in through each one of these sections, the inner courts, the outer courts, I'm sorry, the inner courts, and then the holy of holies. Um, we see the progressions and everything in life has three. We have a mind, we have a body, and we have a soul. Jesus, he was the priest, he was the prophet, and he was the king. We have the milk of the world, the bread of the word, and then we have the meat of the word. We see in scripture that there was three different uh, three different festivals. There was the, faster, the festival of Pastor. Passover, and then the festival of Pentecost, and then the festival of the tabernacles. We see these threes everywhere that we look on. And as Christians, we go on this spiritual progression where we step, we're outside of the outer courts. And then we give our life to Jesus and then we enter into the outer courts where a sacrifice is made. And then we talked about walking into the inner courts where there were different instruments of which we were going to talk about today. And those instruments were all about us stepping into a spiritual place, maturing. Jesus said some will produce 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. Paul said that he pushes for the high calling. If there's a high calling, then there means that there has to be lower callings. And as Christians, sometimes for 30 years, 10 years, a year, we find ourselves living in the outer courts we got saved hallelujah my name's written in the lamb's book of life i'm excited that i'm in i'm in i'm in i'm good i'm going to heaven and i'm just saved enough but there's a progression there's you can actually mature and you can walk into spaces that you never walked in before that you don't have to just stay there how do you progress how do you mature i think there's three big ways that you do so that is found in scripture and that is taught they're very elementary but unfortunately these are things that a lot of us struggle with a lot here goes the three you ready worship the word and prayer i think even as you look at scripture you know what's crazy there are three angels that are mentioned in scripture you know what those three angels are lucifer Lucifer, Ezekiel chapter 28, talks about how he had instruments built inside of him. He was a worshiping angel. He, was, he denotes and shows worship. He's the only one that's unemployed, by the way, because he decided not only do I want to give worship, but I want worship to come to me. And that's where he messed up and he was cast down. But he was significant and he demonstrated worship. Then you have Gabriel. The angel Gabriel in scripture, he was the one that always gave the messages. He was the one that talked to Mary. And then he spoke to so many different people in scripture. Whenever you mention the name Gabriel or the angel Gabriel, you saw that Gabriel was the one that would give messages. And him was an illustration or he would describe the word of God, the message of God. And then you had the angel Michael. He's the one that I like. He's the one that's always fighting with everybody. Michael's always beating somebody up and he grabbed Satan and he threw him down. And he's always the one fighting. Daniel and chapter 10 of the book of Daniel, Daniel had a desire in his heart that he needed wisdom on a certain matter. And he asked God, God, can you help me? 28 days later, an angel shows up to him and tells him, hey, I know that you prayed about this, but for 21 days, the angel Michael has been fighting with the prince of Persia, Satan, to be able to bring this message to you and bring this answer to your prayer. And Michael was the one that was fighting. You even see him at the very end in Revelation where Michael is this warrior. This is what prayer is significant of that it's not just a, a words that we say to the king but there's a lot of time that it's not only just word communion with God but it's conflict and we went through an entire series in November called war cry and if you haven't listened to that go back and listen to that series and it was all about spiritual warfare but but can I teach you a little bit about prayer today can we lean into Michael anybody want to fight a little bit today okay all four of you guys that want to Larry Stockstill, he's the pastor of Bethany or was the pastor of Bethany. Um, he has this quote that I thought was amazing. He says, prayer doesn't move God towards us. Prayer moves us towards God. That God is everywhere. And if he moves from one area to another, that's, that area ceases to exist because he can't move. He fills everything. But we can actually move towards God. The scripture says, I want you to draw unto God and he will draw unto you. If I begin to take steps towards David, David automatically starts getting closer to me. There is a progression. As Christians, we can't sit here and treat this Sunday as a horoscope. When we listen to a preacher scream at us, we have incredible worship, we sing, and then we go home and live our lives just the way that we want to live our lives. But hopefully that you would grab these tools and we got to put effort. It takes work. Men and women right now are in different countries giving of their life. They're not eating the same foods that you are. They're not experiencing the same education. Their kids aren't on a PlayStation the way that your kids are right now because they're on the mission field and they're paying the cost to be able to do the assignment that God has put them to do. Our responsibility as Christians is not to stay stagnant, just a pond that's there 
and it's just a body of water and there's nothing in it and it's dead and it's nasty and if you drank out of it it would probably hurt you christians we are a flowing river there is a currency in us that moves and that we're constantly evolving animals come to eat men and women come to drink from us they grab food from us because we are supposed to be ever evolving ever growing maturing in the things of jesus and that's my heart and my desire today last week we talked about the tabernacle and i explained to you how there was the outer courts the inner courts and then the holy of holies this was a pattern for us and exodus write this down exodus chapter 25 all the way through chapter 30 it explains to you what is the tabernacle that's your homework you go back and you go read that exodus chapter 25 through chapter 30 it explains to you the tabernacle and how god told moses to be able to construct it but then in hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 listen to what the bible says let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need i explained to you last last week how there's an outer courts there's blood slinging there's a brazen altar the brazen laver and then from that you walk through the veil and all of a sudden you step in and then there's, there's the candlelight i'm sorry the, the table of lampstand and the table of showbread and then the altar of incense and then all of a sudden there's a second veil and when you go into the second veil there is the ark of the covenant covered by the mercy seat and here is a 10 by 10 room that which we can only enter through jesus and so you have these three different spaces and these three different spaces although they are significant to our progression Christian I also believe that they illustrate our life as believers can I show you real quick what these look like can we play that real quick and dim the lights The tabernacle, Hamishkan. The Hebrew word means dwelling place. It was where God dwelled with his people, and its elements show us how to relate with God. After delivering the Israelites from slavery in Egypt, God gave them detailed instructions on how to build this dwelling. Once constructed, the Lord descended on the tabernacle in a pillar of cloud. Curtains separated the whole tabernacle from the rest of the Israelite encampment. In this courtyard was the tabernacle's largest piece of furniture, the altar. A wooden box covered with bronze. The altar was shaped as a square, measuring approximately seven and a half feet long and seven and a half feet wide. From top to bottom, it stood about four and a half feet. Hollow space inside the box allowed priests to insert coals. Above was a bronze grating, where priests would lay animals for sacrifice. A horn of one piece with the altar stood at each corner. Four bronze rings under the ledge allowed one to insert carrying poles so the Israelites could transport the altar. Between the altar and the tent of meeting was a bronze laver. Priests had to cleanse their hands and feet here before offering sacrifices or entering the tent. Within the inner tent stood one of the most recognized elements of the whole tabernacle, the menorah, a lampstand with three branches that rose on each side to create a total of seven lamps. This solid gold lampstand weighed about 75 pounds. Each lamp was a small cup that the priest would fill with oil to fuel the light. Each branch in the middle of the shaft had almond blossoms. The menorah served a most practical purpose. It was the only source of light in the tent, an eternal light that was never to go out. Also in the tent stood a wooden table covered with gold. On it was to always remain the bread of the presence. The bread of the presence symbolizes God's desire to be with his people. Incense was to burn continuously on the altar. God instructed the priests to replenish the incense every evening and morning. A curtain separated the holy place from the holy of holies. The menorah, the altar of incense, and the bread of the presence were all in the holy place, but outside this veil. Like the curtains covering the tent of meeting, 
This veil was blue, purple, and scarlet, with cherubim, a kind of angel. Beyond the veil, at the far end of the tabernacle, was the ark. The ark was a wooden box covered with gold. It was nearly four feet long. Its width and height were about two feet, three inches. Like the altar, the ark had rings and poles so the Israelites could carry it as they traveled. Within the ark were the two stone tablets on which God had written the Ten Commandments. Later, it contained a sample of manna and the rod that bloomed to reinforce Aaron's leadership. The mercy seat was the ark's lid and features prominently on Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement. At each end stood a cherub facing the other with its wings outspread. This cover was made of solid gold. The priest would sprinkle the blood of the sacrifice on this mercy seat, symbolizing that the nation's sins were covered for another year. While only the high priest would see it, the mercy seat was the key symbol of atonement that God would forgive his people. Though daily sacrifices on the altar were necessary for payment of sin, it was only through the mercy seat on the Day of Atonement that the stain of sin was washed away. The tabernacle of God and the instruments, and I want to show you a progression that I believe that if we step into this season of prayer and pray 21, but even moving closer into our life after we fast, that if we can take this pattern, I want to show you this pattern in scripture that I believe that we can actually draw near, draw closer to God. Um, I remember uh, just a few months ago, we were, we were down in Miami, Florida, um, and we were kind of flying and my, my daughter was with me, our two boys and my wife was with us. Um, and we were going down there. And I remember there was a moment where we had to, we had to land and we were approaching our destination. And when we were approaching our destination, I remember that everybody was like, my kids were like, okay, that's it. We're landing right now. Get everything. We got to get our bag. And I was like, yo, relax, calm down. Approaching don't mean nothing. If you've ever flown before, you know, the approach, you're about 30 minutes out. You still got a ways to go. You got to relax. And I think when we look at the tabernacle of God, I think that there is an approach to this thing that takes a little bit of time. Those scripture just read in Hebrews chapter four, let us approach boldly to the throne of grace that we may attain mercy in a time of need. I truly believe that there is an approach that we can come to God. Can I show you that pattern in scripture? Exodus chapter 25 verses eight through nine. It says, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them according to all that I show you. That is the pattern, underline that word there, the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of its furnishing, of all its furnishings, just so you shall make it. This tabernacle was the first portable church. And so they would have their tents. The only thing that I would argue a little bit about the video was that those tents were not as close to the tabernacle as it looks there. Uh, the tabernacle, though it was, can be in the center, everyone in their tents was a little bit of a ways off. And so this thing sat in the middle of it. But then all of a sudden, God would move and the pillar of cloud would leave and would move. And the children of Israel knew at that very moment, we got to pack up our portable church. We got to pack up the tent. We got to get the articles, the furniture, and we have to move move it to another place in which God leads us and then they would set it up again and it was it was the first ever portable church but I want to show you something look at what scripture says I just read it Exodus 25 8 and 9 and says let them make me a sanctuary watch this that I may dwell among them any anybody want God to dwell among you anybody want God to dwell among you the pattern Everything that you see in the Old Testament in, in the physical, it has not only a meaning for us physically, but it also has a meaning for us spiritually. And it is a pattern that we can follow. We are not under the law. We no longer have to have sacrifices to be able to approach God. That's why we can approach boldly because there was already a sacrifice. I'll show you in the word in just a second. But that there is, there is actually in the Old Testament things that happen that are significant and they mean something. They're patterns that we can take and be able to use in the spiritual. This is a picture of the tabernacle. The tabernacle, as he mentioned in this story, in this, in this uh, video, it's this square place. 
and outside, this is where everybody hung out at. And this is where they would be sacrificing and blood slinging and chanting. And people drove the investments and everything would happen. But then the red side, everything that you see red in this picture, that's outside of the courts. And sometimes what can happen is that um, people who have not given their life to Jesus in a spiritual sense, this is where we dwell at. Passions, dreams, goals sometimes can keep us from going into the courts. Our own life, our own past mistakes, our lust, our selfishness, our anxiety, depression, our shame, our guilt can stop us from going in there. But there's something that happens to us as believers when we finally came to and salvation happened. Faith entered our heart and we gave our life to Jesus. What happened is that we crossed from that red area, we crossed indoors. But can I tell you that as believers, there is a pattern. I want to show you this pattern. Watch this. When you're outside, we can put the red one up, keep the red one up. When we're outside, when we're about to make a move in prayer and we're about to start, listen what the Bible says in Psalm 104. It says, enter his courts with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. That we would begin prayer with thanksgiving. That before we even stepped into the courts of the Lord, that we would say, Father, thank you for this day. That before we checked our Instagram, told our wife how cold we are, turned the heater on, that the first words, I'll giggle too much, the first words that come out of our mouth is, thank you, Lord. Now, I want you to understand, and I don't want you to feel guilty. What I'm going to tell you right now there are, there are some of you that you get up way early and you got a lot of work to do. What I'm asking you is to find a time, find a place, create a pattern, and then watch as God begins to prosper you. But you have to make sure that you take, I should have said this at the very beginning, this is priority in your life. I promise you, give this thing a year and just pray to God for an entire year. For some of us, it's an hour. For some of us, it can be 15-minute increments four times a day. That equals an hour. Legalism is not what we want to teach you. What we want to teach you is the discipline of being able to pray. And when you move from the outside of the courts into the outer courts, that you would come in with thanksgiving, that you would come in excited, that you wouldn't just run in this thing, but that you know that there's an approach to this thing. I, I want to also say this. God is not intimidated or shuns your 911 prayers. You know, the nine, Father, I need right now, Jesus. I got saved on a 911 prayer. My life was changed on a 911 prayer. God listens to 911 prayers. But what I'm trying to teach you here is not gimme, gimme, my name is Jimmy, but for you able to sit down and be able to spend time, our Father who are in heaven, hallowed be your name. I want to come in with thanksgiving. Psalms 103. This is a beautiful psalm. I'll show you this quick. Psalms 103. Verses 1 through 5, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and listen to this, and forget not all of his benefits. Everybody say benefits. Bless the Lord. Say, bless the Lord. Forget not his benefits. If you bless, if you bless, he benefits. Who forgives us of our iniquities, salvation who heals of us, uh, us of all our diseases, healing, who redeems your life from destruction, redemption, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, transformation, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. There's salvation. There's healing. There's redemption. There's transformation. There's blessing in blessing the Lord and coming with thanksgiving in through his courts. Can you see it though? Can you see it? That, that salvation, healing, redemption, transformation, blessing. Do you see in there that that's how we know God? That we find freedom? That we discover purpose? And that we make a difference? Can you see that, that salvation is all about knowing God? Healing is all about finding freedom. Discovering your purpose is all about the redemption. And then transformation and blessing, this is about making a difference. That he changes you. He puts a crown on you. No longer are you a slave, a slave to your sin and to your own life. But now he calls you a son and an heir. He puts a crown on you. Now he changes your responsibility and he blesses it. That's how we make a difference. 
Now I want to I wanna show you. Let's, let's go inside. Let's go inside real quick. I want to go inside the courts and I want to show you the brazen altar. So this brazen altar was find, found in the outer courts. And this is the picture. And understand that for you to be able to approach God, you cannot approach God without the remission or without the shedding of blood. There had to be blood. Worship. We taught this at our, in our, when we were here on Wednesday. Worship. A way in a form of worship is for us to lift our hands. Everybody here, lift your hands real quick. Lift your hands. Come on. If you're able, lift your hands. Okay, this is, this is a way of worship, right? Put your hands down, you look weird. We, we lift our hands. That's how we, that's an act of surrender. So when we're singing songs, the reason why you see people raise their hands is because they're surrendering to God. They're like, God, what's on my mind is not more important than you. I surrender it to you. God, I have to go home and I got to cook. I got to clean. I got to go to work tomorrow. But right now I'm lifting my hands. I'm choosing to surrender to you. This is the reason why we lift our hands. But can I tell you that that's just a form of worship. That is not worship. Worship in scripture for you to worship God it had to come through bloodshed there had to be a sacrifice that happened for you to be able to enter into worship worship means that I see you and I'm making much of you for you to do that there had to be blood I, I can show you this in scripture so many I don't have the time to but I can walk you through it but what I can show you is that God told Abraham I want you to sacrifice your only son Isaac and when you sacrifice him, his blood is going to be sacrificed and worshiped to me. The Bible says that Abraham and Isaac, they got to the edge of the mountain. And there were two young men that were with him. And he told the two young men, I want you to stay here as me and Isaac go up to worship. He wasn't going up there to go sing, um, write my name in the Christian Jubilee. I want you to write my name, write my name on the road. No, he was going up there to get a knife to kill his son. Blood had to produce worship, right? Chino, we're no longer under the Old Testament. Jesus was a sacrifice. We don't have to. We still got to produce blood. Get me the knife. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beg you, brothers, by the mercies of God, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable worship or your spiritual worship. I want you to present your bodies as living sacrifices. So meaning that our act of worship, it's a constant one of a lifestyle that when you say no to that when you turn your face from that when you walk away from certain things that you are worshiping God but what would happen is that you would walk into the outer courts and all of a sudden there was this brazen altar that looked just like that and it was about four and a half feet tall and I love that they actually put a little ramp up to go in there because there's a moment that you would have to look the sacrifice was inside and you would have to look inside of there can I tell you that this brazen altar is a significant or it's an example of the cross of Jesus that when you pray not only do you say thank you God I worship you I'm grateful that you woke me up this morning thank you for saving me but that you walk by the cross men and women would walk by that altar and they would say that animal that is on there it should have been me I should have been the one that died on there that's why at greater church we don't say heresy by telling you that Jesus didn't die for you that that's not the end of the story not only did he die for you he died as you you should have been on that cross you should have been in that sacrifice you sin he did it but what he did was that he took it on himself and this is what happens when an animal goes there you walk by and you look at it and you say man that should have been me I should have been dead I should have been the one that was on the cross. Isaiah 53 paints this picture that I think is beautiful. I should have been the one. But Jesus was the one that was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his stripes, we are healed. I want you to understand that being pierced was what his hands did. They put nails through them. This idea of being pierced, this is, you do stuff with your hands. And his feet, you go places. Transgressions, it means a trespass. You took it a little too far. And for the things that we took a little too far, that Jesus was actually pierced so that we can be forgiven for those things. That he was crushed for our iniquities. That word crushed actually means that there was a spear that went into his heart and crushed his heart. Iniquities are the things that we do in our soul. The damage that we do to our soul. The things that we do in our hearts. The sins that we commit in our hearts and the things that we do on the inside 
God, Jesus, his spear broke his heart so that our heart and our soul can be put back together. The punishment that was brought and has brought peace was on him. He had this punishment, which was a crown of thorns that was placed on his head. Where is your peace missing? This is where we struggle with. Our peace is missing here and we're thinking about stuff and you're sitting in your car and you're like, man, I feel like I, there's something else I need to do. And it's missing peace here. And the crown of thorns was to be able to purchase. He was punished so that you can have peace in this thing. But then his stripes, the stripes, what would they would give as a payment for sin. If you did something wrong, the Roman guard at that time, they would give you stripes. They would whip you. Jesus took our payment for sin at the Garden of Eden when Adam sinned against God. At that moment, he broke the world. Not only was death, death introduced, but sickness and death was introduced. Everything that we see that is wrong with the world, you can pinpoint it to that moment. But the beauty of Jesus is that on his back, he bore the stripes so that we can have healing, so that we can take this kingdom key and say, Father, I am healed. Not only in my mind not only in my heart and in my soul but in my physical body and when we pass the brazen altar when we cross the cross of Jesus that we would glory in the fact that he saved us and that he rescued us father I thank you for rescuing my peace I thank you father God for taking the nails so that my past is gone I thank you for the spear that saved my soul I thank you for the crown that gives me peace Lord God I thank you for the stripes on your body that I can claim healing over my body that when we pass this brazen altar, that we can pray these prayers to God. Hope you're writing some of this stuff down. If not, we'll, we'll send you the notes. Once you pass by the brazen altar, then you get to the brazen laver, which is in the picture. Now, the part that they don't show in this here is that in that brazen laver, there were actually mirrors that were inside of it. So as you were washing your hands, as the priest was washing his body, he was looking down and he was seeing this mirror substance that was showing him who he was and what he was doing. And I want to show you again, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And this is a moment where they would purify themselves they were clean to be able to purify themselves so let's think about looking in this mirror and what if we actually began to purify ourselves that we wash our faces and our and our heads and philippians chapter 4 verse 8 says finally therefore brothers whatever is honorable whatever is just whatever is pure whatever is lovely whatever is commendable if there is any excellent if there is anything anything worth praise think about these things that we would wash our heads father let me Think pure. Let my mind think pure. Job chapter 31 verse 1. It says, I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a young woman or a young man or an old woman or an old man? Why should I look upon them that our eyes would be pure? Father, help my eyes to be pure. Help my ear to hear pure things. John chapter 10 talks about the shepherd and how we listen to his voice. Father, let my ear be attuned to you. Lead me where you want to. And Father, cancel the enemy's voice, the stranger. May I not listen to the enemy and to his enticement that I won't go that way. Father, I pray for my mouth. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers that you would speak life. Lord, use my words. Not only, I, I'm, I'm, not only that I won't just say curse words, but Father, take it a step further. It's raining outside. It's such a bad day. It feels cold. Yo, let me change that. Man, I'm glad that I got a job. Man, I'm glad that I get to provide for my kids. I got a heartbeat. I feel good today. Let the words that escape your mouth be words of life. Father, I need you to help me to muzzle my mouth, but I need you to help me to speak life. You're washing yourself in the word at the brazen laver. But then we move from the brazen laver, and then all of a sudden we, we, we step into the inner courts. This is, this is called the holy room. And when you look to one side, the first thing that you see is the golden lampstand. The golden lampstand had seven bowls of oil that was continually burning. This picture, this is probably the most famous furniture or furnishing that was found inside the tabernacle. This is the one that you see that's called the menorah. And Jews, they light each one according to a specific time. And this thing was to ever perpetually be burning inside of there. And it gave light to everything. What gives light to everything in your life? What illuminates everything in your life? The Holy Spirit. This thing was significant and it meant and it showed you the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you some stuff? Yo, I'm good at some stuff. 
Like, I'm not being prideful or arrogant. Like, I'm good at some stuff. I know some stuff that I'm good, but I'm just not good enough. I don't wake up every single morning sufficient knowing I can do all things through Chino who is good at stuff. I need the Holy Spirit in my life the same way that you need it. I want to show you something. Zechariah verse four, chapter, chapter 4, verse 6, it says, So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. I need the Holy Spirit in my life from the moment that I wake up to the moment that I go to sleep. I need his empowerment. I need his help. I need to be able to walk with him. Watch three ways that you can activate the Holy Spirit in your life. When you begin to pray, these are three different ways that you can begin to activate the Spirit. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. Here's how you pray. I need the Spirit of the Lord. Everybody say the Spirit of the Lord. Isaiah 11, verse 1 and 2 says, Therefore come... There, there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, Jesus, and a branch shall grow forth out of his roots, Jesus. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. And watch this. Here's what I'm praying. Father, let the spirit of the Lord rest upon me. Father, let the spirit of wisdom, let me know stuff. Father, let me grow in wisdom. Let me grow in understanding. Let me get the things. While, while people are struggling to figure it out, let it click in me so fast today. Father, let the counsel, the spirit of counsel, let me say things to people that will help them to move forward. Help me to counsel people and to say the right things. When she calls me and she tells me again that her boyfriend broke up with her, let me not get frustrated and tell her I told you to break up with him four months ago, but you keep going back. Lord, let me be let me let counsel, let wisdom, but let counsel, let me say something really good. And Father, let me wake up today. I'm, I don't, I'm not feeling good. I, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go to work. I don't want to get up and take care of these kids. I don't want to take care of my husband. I don't want to cook for them. Father, I pray that you would give me might, give me strength today. Lord, I pray for the spirit of knowledge. Let me walk away from a meeting and be able to say, I don't even know how I said that. Where did that come from? It came from the fact that I got up this morning and I said, God, give me knowledge. Tell me things that I don't know. Teach me things that I don't know. And Father, let me be humble. Let the fear of the Lord rest and reside inside of me. That I look at sin, but I want to push it so far because I'm not excited about what I will feel when I experience that. I'm brokenhearted about how I'm going to make the Father feel. And I feel fear him. I want not a fear like I'm scared of you, but an honor, a reverence to the Lord. Lord, let me do that. And then you pray for the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. I wanted, while I was preparing this message, I started to say something and then I rebuked myself because that word long-suffering means patience. And I feel for so long, it's a cute preaching moment that we say, don't ask God for patience because he gives you trouble. Man, I don't care what God gives me. It has an appointed time. It has a moment. We read it when we talked about Galatians chapter 6. Whenever we put on the armor of God, it says so that you would stand on the day. We see that Mary, when she had the baby, the day came for her deliverance. There is a moment. And if that moment is going to teach me how to be patient, then I'm going to stop telling God not to bring bad to my life. If you need to bring it to my life, let me be better, Lord God. Let me stand and be stronger through this thing. So I no longer want to preach. Don't pray for patience. Some of y'all need to pray for patience. And when the trouble comes, you need to stand your ground. You're going to be better. It's when you do push-ups that you get stronger. Your muscles break. It sucks and it hurts, but you feel so much stronger when you work out. There needs to be some pressure, some resistance for you to develop power in your life. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. These things are for you to write down. When you start praying them, they seem a little rehearsed because you got a book in front of you or you got a, a paper. And this is how you're praying these things. God is not like, oh, you got a paper. Can't listen to you, buddy. Nah, nah, you're not a real Christian. I'm not listening to your prayers. Can I tell you that you can write this stuff down? You can actually do it and you can begin to move. Can I tell you that even the priests would have the word of God and that they would teach their children multiple prayers and that they would read those prayers and God would split red seas. God would remove sickness from their body. God would bless them financially in ways that no other nation had and they were reading prayers. So it's fine for you to write this stuff down. But then there comes a moment where all of a sudden this stuff starts getting inside of you and all of a sudden you start I pray, Father, the joy that I need. Today, I need a little bit more joy than patience, Lord God. Today, I need a lot more patience than I need joy. And you can begin to actually internalize these things. And all of a sudden, they start flowing out of you. Galatians 5, 22 through 23 explains them. But then the last, I think this is the biggie. And the one that we, we kind of miss over sometimes is the gifts of the Spirit. That you would wake up in the morning 
and listen, depending on your doctrine, um, your theology, um, where you come and how you've been brought up at church, we're going to explain this. But can I tell you that these things are available for you still, yet and still. Scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it talks about three sets. Everybody say three. Three sets of gifts, and each one of them, there's a gift in each one of them. Three gifts in each three sets. There are the revelation gifts, the word of knowledge, things that I don't know that haven't happened that I can speak. The word of knowledge, things that have actually happened that I can speak. The discerning of spirits. Not only do you look at somebody and say, oh, you got a demon inside of you. But the Bible says that Jesus turned and he said, this is Nathaniel in whom there is no guile. Then now when you sit at a meeting, you know the intentions of people's hearts. Father, I need you to give me the discerning of spirits. My wife has that one. Don't watch out with that person. I'm like, I can't stand you, bro. Why do you tell me this? Like, just let me be. But she has the gift of the spirit of discernment. Then there's the inspiration gifts, which is prophecy. Prophecy is not the word of wisdom. Prophecy is not the word of knowledge. You don't guess something that's going to happen. Prophecy is for edification, for exhortation, and for comfort. There's the word of wisdom, and then there's the office of the prophet that operates in the gift of the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. But prophecy is edification, comfort, and exhortation. And then there's tongues, the heavenly language that you speak that edifies you, that ain't nobody's business what you're saying. It's not even your business what you're saying, that the Spirit prays through you. And then there is speaking in tongues that is for public exhortation. And that's where you need the interpretation of tongues so that it can benefit everybody that's around you. Then you got the power gifts. Then you got the gifts of healings. See the S on it? There's multiple healings. And we ain't got all of them. Some of us have some. Some of us don't. You have seen people. Um, and then next week, I'm excited about it because we got the prophet, the apostle, Jason Peebles, who is going to speak in church. I'm excited. He's going to lead us next. But I, there were things that Oral Roberts would see healings in that Schombach did not see those healings in. And there were things that he can lay hands on and people were healed immediately. And there were other things that uh, uh, Lester Summerall would lay hands on and they would be healed. But that's why God calls us the body. That's why I need you. It's not a comparison or ministry. My ministry is bigger than yours. I need your ministry with my ministry because there's going to be people that walk in the doors. Yo, me holding this microphone, if you come to Greater Church and you think that Greater Church is this place that you're just going to come in on Sundays and you're going to listen to a great word and then you're going to walk out, Every Sunday, you're going to itch, and it's going to hurt you. Why I got to do that? I don't want to do that. Why do, and then you're going to wake up on Tuesday and be like, oh, I remember he said that. Let me try. Because what I want is to develop leaders. I want to disciple you so that you can go out and change the world. Jesus didn't come into the world, be the guy, and heal people, and preach great sermons, and deliver people. He stepped out, and he said, it's beneficial for me to leave. Because when I leave, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, Peter, the moment that the Holy Spirit came out, Peter began to preach. Jesus was the only one doing it. And now 3,000 people are saved. And all of a sudden, people start moving in the gifts. Their shadows begin to heal people because Jesus said, this is not just for me. These things and greater things shall you do for I go to the Father. Yo, I don't want to just be the, I want to hand this microphone and let you preach. Some of you have the call of God over your life. And I know you're like, oh my God, I don't want to do that. But this is what God, the assignment that God has done, and he will empower you to do it. We're not hoarding the gifts here. Man, my dream would be that people would wake up, that we would have altar calls, and that God would put a word of knowledge in your heart, and that you would come lay hands and speak that word of knowledge, that we're not going to be the type of church. Will there be abuse? Of course. There's always going to be one or two of y'all in here. That, oh, watch me. I'm going to watch. I got, hey, watch me. I get it. But that's where you got to stand correction. And as a man of God, as a pastor of this church, I'm going to have a conversation with you and tell you, buddy, that's not the way we do it. That's not our culture. But I'm not teaching you that to minimize the gifts or to eliminate you from service, but to be able to teach you, exhort you, comfort you, edify you, build you up so that you can be a better version. But this is the body of Jesus. We do this thing together. Come on, if you believe that, make some noise in this place. It's us, y'all. It's us. Nobody else is coming. It's us. So you have the, the candle, the, 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 the lampstand, and it's significant of the Holy Spirit, and we walk, and we wake up in the morning, and Father, let the Spirit of the Lord be with me, and knowledge, and wisdom, and understanding, Lord God. I, I pray for the gifts of, this, of, of the fruit of the Spirit. Let me be filled with joy, and peace, and patience, and long-suffering, patience, and kindness, Lord. And Father, I pray that you would give me the gifts of the Spirit, the word of knowledge, the word, and, and we just begin to pray that way. And then we walk in a little bit on the other side of the room and then we look at the table of showbread. The table of showbread which had 12 loaves of freshly baked bread. I want y'all to do something for me. This is what's going to happen. This is where you know if you've been fasting right or not. <laughs> 
I want you to do this for me real quick. You ready? Do this. Go, go like this. Go. You smell that? You smell the bread? Look at that. You smell that bread? How did you do that? That was the gifts of the Spirit. No, that was weird. That wasn't the gifts of the Spirit. But like when you're fasting, you smell everything. <laughs> you know that the church that we came from, and it's a handful of us that used to go to Trinity. We used to be fasting. Jason, you remember this? We used to be fasting. And the moment that we would walk out of the doors, the devil would punch us in the face. You're, you're, some of y'all know, but the ones that are like, why? It was like real Satan. It was like, yeah, it was Tootsie's in the back, but it was actually the devil. Why? There was the Publix Bakery was right next to us. So you had a gate and then you had Publix Bakery. So you used to walk out the door. Oh, <laughs> you start and you start bargaining. Father, I know you love me. You know what I mean? I could just, do I really need to stop eating? What if I got up earlier? Can I tell you that those 12 pieces of bread, Jesus speaks about them. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, it says, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of, from the mouth of God. That these breads are significance of the presence of God. How is God's presence still with us? It's here through the word of God. That the word of God is infallible. That this word right here is what changes us. That we have keys. Everything that I'm teaching you today is found in the word of God. I've given you so many scriptures because I want you to understand that this is the final authority. Not an eloquent preaching. Not a charismatic preacher. Not a doctrine of man. But it is the word of God that stands alone and has stand and stood the test of time. That the word of God is what we consume. That when you're praying that you would take a moment. What we do here at Greater Church is that we call it soap. S-O-A-P. Soap. And what we do is that we spend time in the word and then you ever ate like a, a good piece of food you know when you have really good feet really good piece of food you know what you do is that you chew on it a little bit right <laughs> when you finish the fast you're gonna take that don't go too crazy because it's gonna hurt your belly but you 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 eat something and it's just like oh you just want to sit there and that's what we do imagine if we approach the word of god like oh my god that smells so good oh i can't wait to eat that Imagine if every morning we looked at the word of God like that. That's what God is trying to teach you. I want you to look at the word that way. So what we do is we call it soap. And every single morning we do our soap. Today our soap was found in Genesis chapter 20 through 20 to 22 and then Luke chapter 8. And so we would read those three those four chapters. And what we do is as we read it, what we've taught everybody at the church, hopefully you're on the journey with us. If not, you go to greater.church, that little bookmark that's there you can go on there and there's not only a soap devotional for every single day that you can read everybody's soap but then you can actually begin to read every single day after the 21 days we have a bible in a year reading plan where you read four chapters greater.church slash pray 21 you read four chapters what will happen is that in those four chapters there's these aha moments oh 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 that was good i like that my aha moment came in luke chapter 8 verse 53 and it says, and they ridiculed him knowing that she was dead. That was the scripture. We write scripture, S, scripture. And then observation, the O. Jairus' daughter is dead. On the way to heal her, Jesus gets interrupted. A woman who turned daughter who had an issue of blood but was completely healed. Long day. They were the families and friends of Jairus. They saw her lifeless body. She's dead. Been dead for a while now. But Jesus steps into the house and he says, she is only sleeping. Then proves them all that his off-the-wall, ridiculous declaration was real. Here's the application. I observed that in scripture, but here's how I'm going to apply it to my life. There are things that we have been standing around crying about, mourning. We have hoped that Jesus would fix it, but he never showed up. And the opportunity, the door, the relationship, the deadline is gone. I believe Jesus is one ridiculous word away from awakening those dead areas. He didn't get sidetracked. Time doesn't exist for him. Neither do limits. He's on the way. And here's my prayer. Father, in moments where I don't see an exit or your hand settling the situation, may I always remember that you don't operate in time, but you're always on time. In Jesus' name, amen. And you sit there and you, your, yours don't have to be like that. Yours don't have, don't get intimidated by that. Whatever the Lord you observe in the scripture, this is what Jesus was doing. This is what Paul was doing. This is what King David was doing. Whatever they're doing, you observe it. It just helps you to understand the situation a little bit more. There's times that I have written down the observation and it's completely changed my soap because I actually was like, oh, hold on. No, this meant this. And then the application, what is God saying and what are you going to do about it? Those are the two things that we're trying to teach you when you soap, that you, that you smell the word of God in the morning.
and that you jump in it and that you write the scripture down, but then you ask yourself, what is God saying to me and what am I going to do about it? Then you walk from that table of showbread. Then you walk to the altar of incense. The altar of incense, it's something that was perpetually, constantly smelling. And it was always, they had incense that would burn day and night. And God said that it was in order that this, there had to be incense. It's like Bed Bath & Beyond. You know what I mean? When you walk by and it's just like, always smells good. Oh, y'all remember going to Burdines? And when you smelled in Burdines, it was you perfume. Some of y'all don't know what Burdines is. <laughs> Macy's. And you would walk through the perfume section and you just, every time you walked there, it was like, oh, just a conglomerate of perfume, but it just smelled good. You were like... It just, this thing just smells good. Can I tell you that that altar is significant for us as a pattern of worship? Psalms, 90, Psalms 29 verse 2 says, Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. That once we sat there and we prayed, we came from the outer courts with thanksgiving. Then we stepped and we remembered the cross and we remembered the peace that, that, that God has delivered our souls, that he's delivered our mind, our peace, that our bodies are healed. And then we walk to the labor and we look and we clean ourselves. and We say, Father, let me think pure thoughts. Let me see pure thoughts, Lord. Let me speak pure thoughts. Let me be pure thoughts. And then you go and you say, Father, Holy Spirit, I pray that you today, you, the spirit of the Lord will be on me. I pray the gifts of the spirit will be working in me. Let me work. Let me live out the fruit of the spirit. And we turn around and we get into the word and we sit down for a little while and we just get into the word a little bit and then all of a sudden we get to this altar and maybe you have one or two songs depending on whatever you have in your time this is not legalism but that you would actually spend some time in worship and that you would just sing a song not listen to a song but that you would sing it yo if you sing the same song every day sing it if you're listening to Dottie, Dottie Peoples or Hillsong if you listen to Maverick City Music or Isla Vista whatever it is that you listen to that you know that you would just turn it on and what a friend we have in Jesus. Whatever it is, that you would just spend some time in worship. Father, I love you. I enter your courts. I thank you. And that you would just worship the Lord. Can we move a little closer? When we saw the video, I remember when I first saw the video, I jumped back because I was like, as soon as he started to walk to the curtain to go into the Holy of Holies, I was like, Father, forgive me of my sins right now. Jesus, I'm sorry, Lord. I'm going to die. I've heard about this place. But then there's the Ark of the Covenant. I want you to see something. Before you get into that Ark, there was this three-inch curtain that was there. It was a veil that was there. I want you to write this down. Leviticus chapter 16 explains the rules of you going into that Holy of Holies for a priest, what they would have to do. And it would explain how they would go out and sacrifice and that they would, they would actually have to change their clothes. They had an ephod on and they would have to take it on and they would have to put on linen and how they would do that. And they would take the animal's blood and they would sprinkle it on the mercy seat. You see where those little angels are, where the cherubims are? They would sprinkle, the, they would sprinkle it there and there was a whole deal. But you have to be very careful because he said, if Aaron does not follow what I say, he will die. If the priest does not listen and do exactly as I'm telling them, then they would die. You can see this in Leviticus chapter 10. Nabad and Abihu offered strange incense before they got into that altar, before they got in there. And the moment that they offered that strange incense, boom, they died, both of them, before they got there. And when we think about the veil, I was like, oh, Father, I'm, I'm, I'm asking God to forgive me of sins. Even just watching a video, like something physically was inside. Well, I was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry, Lord. Please forgive me of my sins. I'm going to go see the Holy of Holies. Like, there's this moment. But can I tell you, we don't live in that fear no more. For you to walk through there, we talked about it last week, you had to be in Jesus. But can I tell you that when Jesus dies on the cross... The moment says that when he says it is finished, he hung his head. It says that the veil in the tabernacle was split in half. So now we have this authority where we can walk into the Holy of Holies boldly before God because of what Jesus did. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shaked and the rocks were split. We have access because of Jesus. Once you get in there, you have the Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seats. What did the priests do when they get there? What do you do when you get there? 
You've, you've done your approach. You've come from the outside. You've worked your way in. You went there and you, came, you did your incense. You, you walked in kind of scared and tentative. Now you're in the presence of God. What do you do when you're in the presence of God? Do you just sit there and, oh, I just want akuna matata, Jesus. Hey, bobo. You know what every priest was trained to do? You know what scripture tells you that you're trained to do? 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. First of all then, I urge that supplication, prayer, and intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings, for all who are in high positions, that we would lead a life peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. That when the priests would go to this Ark of the Covenant, that what they would be doing is, Father, I made it in here. Bring it back up. I made it into this Ark right now. And I see the mercy seat and I'm throwing blood on there because I'm thinking about them. I made it in here, but I'm thinking about them. I'm thinking about my spouse. I'm thinking about my kids. I'm thinking about my crazy boss. I'm thinking about our president. I'm thinking about our nation. And all of a sudden now you begin to speak. And Father, I'm interceding for my spouse. I'm interceding for my children. I'm interceding for my parents, Lord. Let them come to know Jesus. I'm praying for the families, Lord God. I'm praying for civil authorities from the president all the way down to the minor civil authorities in my city, Lord. I'm praying for workplace authorities, Jesus. I'm praying for my boss, Lord God, and my supervisor. Father, I'm praying for greater church please i'm praying for greater church right now i'm praying for the mission that they would reach and empower all people i'm praying father for the vision of the church that people would know god find freedom discover purpose and make a difference father i'm praying for pastor chino i'm praying for pastor lydia that she keeps putting up with him father i'm praying for pastor jason pastor allison i'm praying for the directors i'm praying for the teams and and then you begin to to pray and father i'm praying for me right now because you've been praying for you the whole time You've been walking and telling God to cleanse you and to fill you. It's been about, but now this is the moment where you're spending time and you're praying and you're interceding for other people. Things change when you begin to do that. Because now all of a sudden now, imagine a year into doing this. You're just thinking about this thing as you wake up in the morning and you're just praying. Yo, it's going to change your life. It's going to change who you are. You enter into his courts with thanksgiving and praise. You remember the cross. You purify yourself. You ask the Holy Spirit to fill you and to lead. You consume the word. You worship. And then you intercede. In simple words, it's thanksgiving, forgiveness, purity, Holy Spirit, the word, worship, and intercession. That if you would get up in the morning and you would follow this this pattern this is what would happen to you I want you to go back to that first slide lit therefore since we have such a hope we use great boldness of speech unlike Moses who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away but their minds were blinded for until this day some veil remains unlifted in the reading of the old testament because the veil is taken away in christ but even to this day when moses is read the veil lies on their heart Ooh, watch here's when it gets good now that we understand this nevertheless when one turns to the Lord come on anybody turn to the Lord in his house the veil is taken away now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty but we all with unveiled faces beholding as in a mirror the glory of God here's what happens the promise of scripture is that we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the spirit of the Lord you won't recognize yourself in a year if you begin to walk through the tabernacle and begin to take that inside of you and all of a sudden it's July and you're getting up in the morning and you're, you're not even thinking about this thing. You're just on the, Father, thank you, Lord God. Oh, I remember the cross. If it wasn't, I should have, oh my God, I remember who I was. Thank you, Jesus, for the peace that I have over my entire body. Father, I thank you for the purity right now. Cleanse me, Lord God. Oh, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill me. Oh, I need to get into this word. Oh my gosh, it's so good. That was, that was good, Lord. And Father, I just thank you right now. What a beautiful name it is. Oh, you're beautiful. Some of you, 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 you want to get through all of that just to get to this moment. 
And then all of a sudden you, you go to remove the veil and you just, there is no veil. Jesus took it. You have access. You can boldly come. And now you're interceding. Now all of a sudden you've been praying for your husband, but your husband is sitting next to you in church. All of a sudden now you've been asking God that you needed this financial provision. And now it's not about you receiving the financial provision. You're noticing that you've provided for three or four other people that were in need because God has blessed you so much that all of a sudden the benefits begin to come alive in your life. All of a sudden now, you, the things that you were struggling with, man, it was December, Chino, and I fell four or five times. I've been struggling, but all of a sudden you're in July and you're helping other people who were dealing with the things that you were dealing because you have been filled with the spirit and denied the lust thereof of your flesh. It changes you from glory to glory. It makes you closer. Come on, anybody want to get closer in 2023? Anybody want to be closer to Jesus? Come on, would you stand to your feet? Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. We hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us 